great song. I want you to imagine you're on a cruise ship. You've um, signed up for this one, and you're out in the Atlantic Ocean, and it's evening, and the ship goes down. Now, you didn't show up for those life preserver and lifeboat drills like you should have, so you can't really remember anything other than get your life jacket, which you do, and you're in the drink. It's night, you're by yourself, you can hear voices around you, but you can't really see anything at all. And then you hear the lapping of oars and people calling out and flashlights going and a life raft is on its way. You yell, they see you, they come toward you, you're saved. You reach your hand up and they reach down to you to bring you up in the lifeboat and then you say, wait, before I get in, I want to know something. Are there any Republicans in this boat? Because if there are, I'm not getting in. Or how about any of those UK fans that are so obnoxious I'm not going to spend time in a lifeboat with those people. Or, can I know the socioeconomic status of the people in this boat? Because I don't particularly like being around rich people who flaunt their wealth. It'd be pretty ridiculous, wouldn't it, to say, I'm not getting in if there are people like that. And you could substitute anything you want for those things. And you and I would say, well, that's pretty stupid because there's really only one thing that matters right now, and that is being saved from the water and drowning by getting in the boat, wouldn't we? But now once you get in the boat, things change. Maybe before you left, you were able to grab one Ziploc bag of some of those snacks you took on that cruise ship because you know you don't eat very well on most cruises and you needed to pack your own food and you had that with you and you get on board and you open up a package of nuts that you had and start to eat and after about day three when you're doing that it starts getting on other people's nerves because they didn't bring food and you go well no this is mine this is mine and somebody convinces you, no, what's yours is ours. We share on the boat. The first morning you get up and you want to go through your normal stretching exercises and calisthenics that you always do first thing in the morning. And someone tells you, no, you can't do that on this boat. You're bouncing up and down at that end of the boat. You, you kicked on a rebound, two small children off the other end. And, and one lady lost her dog that she brought along. You can't do that on the boat. Maybe you say, I think we should head in this direction. I think shore is that way. That's the way we came. And other people are saying, no, no, this is the way we should go. No, this is the way we should go. Your opinion only matters 
as one person on a boat filled with people, everybody's opinion must be taken into consideration. You see how everything changes when you're on a lifeboat? How it is necessary for you to be aware of other people, their feelings, their needs, how it is important for you to give deference to others <clears throat> who may have a little more knowledge about something than you have? Why does all of a sudden your life become submerged and merged with the lives of all those other people? And the answer is very obvious. The answer is, well, because we're on a lifeboat together. And if we're going to be saved, it's got to be together. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we have to share this body that we are saved as individuals. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ. We're individually members of one another. When we're saved, God puts us in this body. Now, listen, I'm going to be using gestures may seem to indicate to you or to those who are watching online that I'm talking about this is the body right here. I'm not talking about a public assembly. I'm talking about being part of a local body or group of believers. When we're saved, we're saved as individuals. You didn't have 400 or 300 or 200 people in the baptistry all being taken under at one time. But once we are saved, we're put into situations where we associate ourselves with other people who are where we want to be, i.e., a lifeboat. We're put in that relationship. And because we are in that relationship, we suddenly stop thinking about ourselves as individuals and need to start thinking about ourselves as members of the body. The song we just sang so perfectly describes that idea. We, plural, are one. So here's what Romans says. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortations. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with Diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give 
preference to one another in honor. And then down in verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. I share this lifeboat in the illustration we're using with people I may not even know. Or maybe with people I don't even like. But wouldn't it be pretty ridiculous if I climbed in that lifeboat and I said, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got the guy that's down the hall from me in room 304. I can't stand him. I'm out. I'm not going back in the water. I'll find some way to continue to associate with a guy in that room, 304, because I need what's in the boat, salvation. And he does too. So we share the body. And I, I simply tonight want to offer some ways we do that in practical terms. Welcome. I echo what's been said. Thank you for being here. I always appreciate people who come hear me preach the first time, but I appreciate much more the people that are willing to put up with it again. And you are among that number, and I'm grateful for your presence. Thanks for being here tonight. I really hope the things that we're going to talk about are going to continue to challenge you. I, I, I want to challenge you. I don't think most of us, and I, I can't speak for this congregation specifically, I don't know your specific needs, and nobody's filled my ear with a lot of things I need to tell you. That's not the case. But I do get around to a churches occasionally, and I do know my own people at the congregation where I work in the city where I live, and I know that there is a depth of koinonia that many of us have not been able to experience and enjoy. And I hope that I can push you into those areas of relationship with each other that will make our koinonia rich and our salvation precious. So I'm going to try to do that with you this week, and I'm grateful that you're indulging me the opportunity to share these things with you, to share these things, koinonia with you. Let me suggest that the first thing is the body cares for its members. And, and now I want to I switch illustrations. I want to move to a different illustration altogether. I'm, I might have been able to keep the lifeboat motif going a little while longer, but let me offer this. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25, it says, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That the members may have the same care for one another. I'm a body, and I have different members that make up my body. I have fingers and I have thumbs and the thumbs aren't fingers. If I had five thumbs, I couldn't do the things that I do. And if I had five fingers, I couldn't do what I do. 
I'm blessed with what we call an opposable thumb that, en that enables me to grab things in a way that other animals cannot do that. I have feet that don't do what my hands do. I have eyes that don't do what my ears do. You get the idea. Now, I want to show you how all that works together in something that has happened to me on more than one occasion. I stay in hotels and I stay in homes. And uh, oftentimes when I'm staying in somebody's home, and sometimes even in my own home, when I get up in the evening, in the night, from my bed, if there's not great lighting in the room, I have to grope to find my way to either get water or go to the restroom. And invariably, I find furniture with my toes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm feeling out here because I certainly don't want to smack something in my face. And I'm walking along like this, and then I go... Now, as soon as they do that, and it's not nearly as nice as that just was because I don't put my shoes on before I get out of bed. As soon as my toe connects with that piece of furniture, my entire body reacts. The toe lets the body know we're in trouble. I mean, we're hurting here. This is really painful. The first thing that happens with me oftentimes is I'll, I'll reach down and grab that toe to hold it. I want to put warmth on it. I want to caress it. I want that toe to know we're here for you, buddy. We know how bad this is. But I'm doing that, and I'm not balancing like this. So what I end up doing is hopping up and down, up and down. I have to keep my balance. So the other foot has to say, we got this. We'll keep you up. Hold on to that toe for a little while longer. Meanwhile, my eyes begin watering. Sympathy here. Oh, they're crying. And my mouth opens and says, we'll yell about this for a little bit. Groan. My heart rate increases. My, my pattern of breathing increases. <sighs> it's hurting. I'm feeling it in every part of my body. Every part of my body is reacting to what happened to the foot. Oh, oh that that were true in the body of Christ. I want you to think about that. Wouldn't it be amazing if the body of Christ reacted the way my physical body reacts? If when someone was hurting, and it was obvious they were hurting, maybe it's somebody in the audience and the preacher's preaching and suddenly this person begins weeping, or you see consternation on their face as they're maybe recalling some painful time in their life. Or maybe somebody's become convicted of sin. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the members of the body did like my body does? But I'm afraid many times, here's kind of the way we react. My foot hits. Oh, that's really, that's got to be painful. I hope that toe's going to be okay. Maybe later we'll inquire about how he's doing. Just calm down, everybody. Don't react. 
Let him throb. He's on his own. Oh, I says, oh, he's bleeding. Yeah, he, he ripped a toenail off on that one. Well, he shouldn't be doing that. That's ought to be more careful. Is that the way we react when it's our body? It's not. We just read that passage, and we sang that song a few moments ago. We're one. We're supposed to care about one another. I, I have watched sometimes the spiritual body react the way my physical body reacts to circumstances, that is, reacting actively in the situation. I've seen that happen. I've seen people, I love this, I've seen people come forward because they need prayers or they need to confess something to the congregation and other members will peel out of the pews and come down and sit with them. Just hold their hand, touch their shoulder, sit behind them and pat them. I've watched that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. I remember on one occasion preaching at a congregation I wasn't familiar with, and, and a woman started weeping. I mean, I know what I was saying was such that it probably triggered that. I didn't know what it was about what I said, but it was that kind of lesson. I don't think she was crying, I can't take it anymore, I'm out of here. I don't think it was that. And she got up and started to go out, and I almost stopped and said, would, would somebody go get that woman? Don't let her walk out of here weeping and everybody just look, well, what is that all about? Three women got up, peeled out. They had her before she hit the back door, and they took her outside, and they comforted her. I never found out what it was about. I didn't need to know. But rather than our reacting like this is a distraction or this hinders us or it's embarrassing or that's their business, I, I don't have any part in that. Remember what we just read. We are individually members of one another. We are called upon to care about each other. And, and that's not just in the public assembly. If, if we think something's wrong with somebody because we haven't seen them in weeks, what do we do? Well, I wonder if they're coming back. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll just wait and see. Would the physical body react that way? If I woke up in the morning and, and I went to scratch my head and I looked and I'm missing a finger, would I say, well, I hope it'll come back? I don't know how, it, how it's missing or why. I don't know what I did, but it's gone. Well, I hate that, but I, I hope maybe it'll come back later. Isn't that ludicrous to think that we would react that way? And sometimes what we do is we call somebody else and ask them when the same phone call they have to make to that individual is one we could make. And you may be saying, well, it feels intrusive. It, it feels like we're kind of invading somebody's privacy, and I want to respect that. I'm going to tell you, quit respecting people's privacy in the lifeboat. 
There is no real privacy in the lifeboat. We are members of one another. We care for one another. Actively, we do that. Now, let me show you the different ways that's shown. I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let me show you something in 1 Thessalonians 5. We urge you, brethren, this is verse 14. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. And then a kind of an overarching thing, be patient with everybody. Patience is for everybody. Patience is for everybody. I need to be patient with the unruly. I need to be patient with the weak. I need to be patient with the faint-hearted. But I don't need to mix up how I help each of those. I need to be very careful. Those verbs are specifically meant to match those characteristics. An unruly person is one who needs to stop what they're doing because they are going to harm and do damage to the rule, the welfare of the group. The person who is in the lifeboat who's unruly, who's maybe wielding a big knife and flipping it around and practicing their knife skills in a lifeboat is unruly. You don't... Encourage the unruly. Hey, pretty cool knife skills. Think you can throw that up and catch it again? You don't encourage the unruly. You don't help the unruly. Hey, I got another knife. If you get rid of that one or it falls overboard, take this one. You don't help the unruly. You admonish the unruly. Now, with those who are weak... You don't admonish them. You don't admonish weak people. And you certainly don't admonish faint-hearted people. People who are faint-hearted are reluctant because they lack courage. They lack confidence. And you don't admonish that person. If, 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 if Roger went to one of the men and he said, Hey, I think, I think you need to be more active publicly. You've got, you've got a really good singing voice. You should lead singing. And the person says, I, I can't do it. I'm telling you, when I try that, I get short of breath. And I, I, I just don't think I can do it. I don't have the confidence. Roger doesn't say, well, you big sissy. You just get up there and do it. And if you don't, I'm going to call you out on that. It doesn't help the faint-hearted at all. Now, in order to do those things, are you picking up on what is required? I have to know who's unruly, who's faint-hearted, who's weak and needs help. I have to know the members of the body. I have to know what their capabilities are. I have to know what they can and can't do. My body certainly does that. I, I was at a congregation recently, and they had 
not, not a step here in the front. There were steps over on the side, but the front was flat, almost as high as this one was. And I saw the song leader. He, he went to get up in the, in the pulpit, and Brother Langford could probably do this, but he just took one step up, and he was in the pulpit. I thought, man, I ain't doing that because I know my legs. You know, I'd get about halfway and fall backwards. I know what I can and can't do. I know my body. I, I mean, for all, all practical purposes, I know what I can and can't do. Because I know what my body is and how it would respond. In the same way, we need to know each other so that we can respond actively. And, and I'll tell you an, another thing about that. In, in um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Restoring the fallen is part of this fellowship, this koinonia that we're talking about. All the parts make up the whole. I've already given you the multiple illustrations, and I'll do it more before we're done with this series, but I ought to care about the parts. If I'm missing that finger, let's say, well, it's not an index finger, but it's, it's a little finger. Well, that's a little finger. That's not a real important part. Who would say that? Who would go to a doctor and say, hey, my, my little finger fell off. It's just a little one. Don't worry about it. Of course I worry about it. Why? Because it's part of my body. It's part of me. It's part of what makes me, me. And I need to care about other people. It's not their business alone. It's our business. Why? Because I have a right to be intrusive in your life? No. I have a right to be involved in the body. And you chose to be part of it, like I did. You chose to get in the lifeboat, like I did. So we got to live together. And we got to care about one another. And if you have a fever in a lifeboat, everybody cares. Everybody's concerned about that. Because it may affect the rest of us and our life together. And that concern extends, may I say this, listen, it extends to all phases of my life. So my marriage is of a concern to the body. Because if I'm living in sin in my marriage, it affects not only my relationship with God, but my relationship with others. The language I use. I need to be very careful about how I present myself in social, on social media. Because it reflects on the body. I'm a member of the body, and if I use terminology, if I'm putting OMG all over my Facebook page, it says something about the body. It doesn't just say something about me. And I don't have a right to say, you know what, that's my business. I don't have a right to say that if I'm going to live in this body. I can do that if I want to be on my own. 
but not if I want to cast my lot in the lifeboat that is called the church. Can't do that. And so, you see, sin won't be tolerated in the body. Not gossip, not slander, any more than extortion or embezzlement. Those things reflect on the body and the welfare of the body. All of those hurt the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves. But now look at this one. Nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Many of us might look at those latter ones and say, well, that's, that's private business. That doesn't affect the church. No, it absolutely does if we're living in the body together. So I need to actively care for the members of the body. I need to do something, not just think it, feel it, but do something. When I see members of the body who are not living like they ought to, and I need to pray. In James chapter 5 verse 16, we're called upon to pray, to confess our sins to each other, and pray for one another that we may be healed. And that's not just for my little subgroup, my prayer group, that meets at Chick-fil-A on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And it's not just for my adult Bible class group that prays. And it's not just for my church. It's for the body of Christ at large I need to pray for. All God's people. Because as others mature... The body benefits. Look, every time I do something that benefits members of my body, the whole body benefits from that. And, and I need to care about all aspects of my body because the welfare of the whole is very much dependent on the welfare of the individual parts. The body is bigger than I am. Bigger than me, I'm just a member of it. Let me suggest one more thing to you. The body honors its members. Now, this is going to get a little difficult. It's a little hard for us sometimes to do this. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, Romans 12 and verse 10 be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. No rivalry among body parts. There's no rivalry among body parts. I have a left foot and a right foot. I have grandsons. Let me begin with that. I have grandsons, and they are very competitive. I mean, they, if, I, if I put two of them here and said, y'all go to the back, before they were at the back, it'd be a race. Who's going to get there first? But I'm thankful my body parts don't react the way individuals react, and particularly my grandsons. I don't think there's anything wrong with what they do, but they're really competitive. If one of them starts eating, the other one says, I finished mine first. As if there's some award for, you know, fastest tot eater. 
But my body didn't do that. My left foot doesn't go, I'm here. And my right foot goes, no, no, I'm here. Oh, no, I'm ahead. No, I'm ahead. I'm ahead. They don't fight like that. If my right hand goes to reach for something, my left hand doesn't say, I got it. I got it. It doesn't work that way. My body works in unison. Now, if my right hand grabs something and goes to lose it, the left hand comes down and helps. It doesn't say, see, you should have left it to me. I could have held on to that. But no, you're the right hand. You think you've got it all under control. You just go ahead and do it. Drop it. Break it. Go ahead. But sometimes in the body, we do exactly that. We quarrel and fight. We get our feelings hurt. Somebody in the pulpit says something like, I got to tell you, I love, I love that AV crew back there, man. Those guys, they take care of us today. And I just want to give a shout out to, and name the guys that are up there in the booth. They're doing a great job. And there's one guy who's in the AV team and he's not up in the booth. And what's he saying? I didn't get a, I didn't get a shout out. You didn't mention my name. I'm there more than those guys are. And in fact, they didn't do a great job. They were a little slow on one of the slides tonight. But hey, that's the way it is, you know. Some people get all the recognition and the rest of us don't. My body doesn't work that way. But we do in the church. We, we say something about some teachers and somebody else says, Hey, I taught and they never said anything about me. And I will tell you, preachers sometimes, we, we go through that. I, I fight that. I, I fight that. What I'm telling you 